0: Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches fashion podcast. I'm Danielle Rodeutjen. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books to art to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches fashion townhouse in London. My guest on this episode is the designer, Sir Paul Smith. Originally from Nottingham in the north of England, he left school at the age of 15 and opened the first Paul Smith shop there in 1974. After nearly 50 years in business, he has shops all over the world and is a globally loved brand. He has dressed everyone from David Bowie to David Hockney to Jimmy Page and the England football team. And in 2013, the Design Museum in London staged a retrospective of his work. Known for his innovative tailoring and witty take on fashion, and for coining the now ubiquitous term, classic with a twist, it is, according to the writer Caroline Rue, the urge to entertain which has most informed Smith's work. Here he is, talking about five things that have inspired him. welcome uh, to
1: the show oh uh, cheers thanks
0: welcome to five Carlos place i believe it's your first time here as well it is yeah yeah,
1: yeah very nice it is too we're in a very nice green room with lovely actually it's very sunny out there isn't it yeah but
0: yeah i think it's sunny on the other side gets a bit more sun but we can see out it's uh,
1: fascinating place i mean each floor is a little gem isn't it
0: each floor is very different yeah and we've got um chinese new year theme in the attic at the moment i saw that
1: yeah red
0: lanterns looks quite good it yeah looks quite look very good indeed yeah. um, so yeah. beautiful
1: gemstones everywhere this is one in front of us from yes. Peru.
0: Um, vox lux crystals yes um soaking up bad vibes apparently
1: how good <laughs> yeah do
0: you have i'm are you soaked f- up <laughs> are you into crystals do you have any crystals
1: Uh, No, we've got a collection. uh, My collection in my shop of clothes, that is. I've got crystals printed on them at the moment. Oh, right. Uh, Yeah, so that was quite good timing, by chance. There's
0: there's something happening with crystals at the moment, clearly. And we're here to talk about the five objects that you would like to talk about because you find them inspiring or they've given your life meaning in some way. When I actually spoke to people who I know who have met you about doing this they all said either that you had they said oh he's got so much stuff he'll never be able to choose anything have you seen his office <laughs> and um I said I hadn't seen your office because I haven't but I read about it um and apparently it's stuffed with lots of lots yeah of it things. was a
1: very difficult decision to get down <laughs> to five yeah and so I just sort of blindfolded and <laughs> pulled out my things that were in front of me so we've got we do have five things okay. yeah the the room is full of Lots and lots and lots of stuff. I mean, I'm very blessed by the fact that a lot of people send me things on a regular basis. So there's toy, toy, no, fans from around the world, which is wow. phenomenal. I so mean, they really
0: send you stuff they think you might like?
1: Yeah, I mean, literally daily. What things. kind of stuff? Uh, we've got one fan who's been sending things for over 40 years, and we have absolutely no idea who it is and that uh, those things are really obscure. Do you know like, where uh, in the world they yeah, are? Yeah, they're from America, uh, but the key thing is that they are... Well, I mean, before I say how they arrive, is that we've had things like a ski, a chair, a hat, so they're very obscure, but the thing is they arrive without a box. So they arrive with the actual stamps on the chair and the address on the chair, and then the postman arrives with the chair, <laughs> <laughs> and there's no box. And there's no message, there's no... Anything, so it's wonderful. a thing. And then, oh, just all sorts of things. It's
0: like an ongoing artwork or something. Yeah, I once said,
1: in the 80s, I once said that rabbits were good luck for me, and so I receive about six rabbits a week. And and I've got many, many, many rabbits. Real life rabbits? I've had one real life one. Uh, about four minutes before a fashion show, <laughs> <laughs> which was interesting, holding a box with a real rabbit in it. I should have obviously said diamonds, but I said yes. rabbits because I would have had six diamonds a week. But no. yeah. that's amazing. Well, <laughs> I get a lovely rabbit Well, I'm ceramic, glass, wood. Um, Gosh! And my wife very kindly gives me a tiny little rabbit before each fashion show. So I counted yesterday that I have 61 from her uh we've done about over so means- i think we've done about 100 fashion shows over the years but obviously the the rabbit thing started 40 shows in <laughs> So, uh, but they're, they're lovely they're all little austrian bronze ones that pauline gives me
0: um what is the first object here that you'd like to talk about we uh, don't have any rabbits but we have some uh, other things
1: yeah i mean i brought the the uh rather similarly. i brought them with me because no,
0: i think, I think this
1: is called well, not radio, but you know what I mean? You can't see. I mean, I, I suppose one of the it's things... It's helpful to have them here. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I I suppose the first thing is probably um, um, my first camera, which I've got here in front of me, which is a Kodak Retinet camera that I was bought when I was 11 because my father was a amateur photographer. Can I pick it up? Uh, yep. Yeah. And... Uh, it's a film camera, obviously, because pre-digital. It's not uh, very sensational, but at the time, my dad kept saying, it's got a very good lens and a very good shutter. So, whatever a lens and shutter is, uh, that, so they're very good.
0: And pretty good nick. Uh,
1: uh, yeah. Uh, well, he, he was an amateur photographer. He started the local camera club. He was one of the founder members. He had a dark room uh, for developing and printing film. Um, in the attic of our house so age 11-ish I used to go there every oh, every Thursday night we used to go up there and have this uh, fascination about developing negatives and then printing them and uh, so that I think one of the main things there and uh, people are listening to this can't see what I'm doing now but I'm actually looking through the viewfinder of the, uh, of the camera which is called an eye level viewfinder So that means you look through it rather than today when we have a camera and uh, uh, it doesn't really work quite the same way um, b- but the good thing about looking for this tiny little viewfinder is the fact it it really helps you look and see and I think one of my best points over the years has been the ability to see and actually look at like the room where I am now there's a dark green and a light green and a beige and that easily could be the colours for a sock or a tie or a sweater or something so by looking through this little viewfinder I think it's made me realise I can focus on on things. When you look through a viewfinder you could go a little bit to the left and the composition of the photograph wouldn't be very good at all and then you move it to the right and suddenly the composition is really lovely. And that's
0: something that's quite fundamental to your whole ethos with your designing is having the, a point of view.
1: Yeah, I think so because I never trained uh, as a, as a uh, fashion designer. Mm. I left school at 15, wanted to be a racing cyclist and uh, after a bad crash at 18 I ended up uh, learning about fashion. And eventually I um, met Pauline and um, uh, she, was, uh, she became my girlfriend, now my wife and, and my teacher. But back to photography. Yeah. The, my second thing yeah. is uh, wherever. It, oh, we've lost it. Oh no, it's here. Uh, so is this uh, photograph of me on a flying carpet? <laughs> so, um, so I don't know whether you want to describe to the listeners what it is. Well,
0: I know this was taken by your father. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Brighton it's Pavilion. Brighton Pavilion with a what looks like a young boy sitting on a carpet like aladdin flying over it
1: that's right so that was uh, coming home from school one night age uh, i don't know what how old i think i don't know about 10, 10 or, yeah, yeah uh, coming home from school one night and looking in the back garden um and seeing um three wooden boxes with a rug uh over the top of the boxes and the corner the edge of the rug or carpet being wired so it was going up and down and then um some bed a a sheet from my mum and dad's bed as a backdrop on the washing line and then my my dad saying oh before you do your homework can you just sit on that and pretend you're flying and it's like oh dad (laughs) (laughs) so you know being a good boy I, i sat on the rug and put my arms out in front of me and pretended to fly and three weeks later he produced this photograph of me above a a building in the south of England in the the town of Brighton uh, which uh, has these very oriental look about it and um, there I was flying over over the Brighton Pavilion. (laughs) But the the interesting thing is that this is (laughs) pre-Photoshop, you have to remember this is a long time ago. This was taking two negatives, one negative of Brighton Pavilion, and one negative of me on the carpet, and then the ne- uh, negative me on the carpet, blacking everything out with ordinary ink, and then just leaving the outline of the rug and me, and then putting the two negatives together, and hey presto. <laughs> so that's the that's the very sort cool. of father I had, and uh, probably why I've I've got a very open view on life and. A, a very lateral way of thinking mm. I hope.
0: What do you think of the amount of photos that are taken today and the current you know everyone taking photos with their phones do you think that I think
1: I think now uh, basically everybody's a photographer now so you you know a ten-year-old an eight-year-old or six year old can be take a really lovely photograph.
0: You take quite so a lot of photos on um, for your Instagram account.
1: Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I, mean, I have a quite a popular instrument. Personal instrument. We have Paul Smith Design, which is the company one, and then mine taken by Paul, and and that's very popular because it's like a, a visual diary, I suppose. Yeah. It's just things I, I see, and I'm always in trouble because it's never got clothes on it. <laughs> it's, it's always a tree trunk or a cloud or something. But uh, that's what
0: that makes it seem more authentic. Yeah, well,
1: that's what I love about yeah. it, and it's just obviously the way. You, you know, people see things, yeah. and, and and that's what I like.
0: But also, just going back to what you were saying about having a different point of view, what's interesting is that even though you've been in business for one hundred and eight years, one hundred and eight years <laughs> um, since nineteen seventy, <1970, laughs> um, actually, um, your vision and your particular point of view is kind of perfect for something like Instagram, which is why your shop in LA gets photographed so much—the pink building and
1: yeah. So the most almost. Instagrammed building in all of California, yeah. apparently. So. so
0: have you seen how many variations of a Paul Smith hashtag there are on Instagram? <laughs> I looked at um, Paul Smith Thailand has something like 85,000 wow. hashtags. <laughs> most of them featuring that wavy, the wave. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Paul Smith wave, I think it's called. Yeah. It's it's, it's Well, I mean, the whole
1: world, of, the world of, of matches and matches.com and the whole world of of technology is it just meant that everything is so we're also immersed in it aren't we all the time i mean i I designed the i have an in-house shop design team and when we did the uh melrose avenue shop in la we just i just thought well it's such a big place la and most people just drive hardly anybody walks and so melrose avenue so when was it
0: that you built that one opened that one
1: oh i suppose 10, 15 years, something so way, like that. My, yeah. way before. Yeah, so I mean, I just thought, oh, well, I just make it like the Eiffel Tower sort of thing. You know what I mean? I yeah. just make it very distinctive because we're at 8,661 Melrose Avenue. So it goes up to the 20,000, I think, on one street. So you've only really got to do something which is very distinctive. So I I always loved the work of a Mexican architect called Luis Barragón. So I went to Mexico, looked at his work, and then thought, well, I'll just do a big bright pink box. And uh, unknown to me, it would uh, turn into (laughs) this phenomenon that it has of uh, 100-odd people a day.
0: In the favourite colour of the internet, apparently.
1: Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Um. Yeah, I didn't know that either. (laughs) Uh, I mean, so photography these days is so different to... to what it used to be. There's a delight in, in film, though. You know, you... In the, old, as Yeah, if you look at film. the back of the, the what, my watch that I've got in front, yes, of, yes, you've got in front of you. Yes, yes, I'm using, oh yeah. It's got a red light bulb on it, and that's an homage to my dad, because oh, right. in a dark room, um, the one light you're allowed is just a, a red light, so it doesn't ruin the film and the printing, but it, it allows you to see what you're doing. And um, there's something magical about putting uh, photographic paper into the chemicals and just seeing the image uh, arrive and Mm. of course the thing now with a phone is that you can take 20 shots and delete see them straight away and delete 18 whereas when you're doing film the film was so precious and of course you didn't know whether you would got the shot until you actually developed the, the film. But by that time you weren't in California anymore or you weren't in Paris anymore, you were at home. So you had to really get it right. So it was a very different process.
0: But do you think that's a shame that's been lost or do you embrace modern change? And oh, I think I, 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 I don't think
1: it's a shame, I just think it's, it's, it's still there. I mean, I still, I'm shooting film at the moment uh, a lot, um, just for fun as well as using the, the phone. Um, no, I, d- I don't worry about any anything that's going on. I think it's uh, it's up to us whether we want to balance it out, really, uh, mm. with with something else. I mean, I've got, uh, in front of me, I've got vinyl here. Yes, vo- is that the vinyl. next thing? Right, go on. Yeah, well, so we've done photography. We've done photography, um, yeah. My dad's camera, so that's two things. And then this is, um, I'm very close to the music industry and have been for many, many years. So when I was 18, I was working with different bands printing you know making making trousers for Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin when he was only 24 inch waist <laughs> and the bottom of the trousers was 28 inch
0: <laughs> are you still making clothes for him today
1: uh, well, we saw him last week we did an interview interviewing for French radio but uh, uh, yes he did get a couple of pair of black jeans from me but uh, he, uh, we work a lot with bands, uh, mm. and you probably know, i are always a good friend of David Bowie and uh, many, many bands over the years. And uh, one of the things I brought uh, today just uh, is is a, a vinyl uh, of Talking Heads, uh, David Byrne, who is a customer as well. Uh, but this particular one is fantastic because it's uh, it was designed by Robert Rauschenberg. Oh, wow. And so it's uh, quite fresh obviously precious and it's got a uh, uh, robert Rauschenberg's artwork and uh, it's a colored vinyl and um and so uh, that combines two of the things that i love which is the world of art uh and architecture of course art and and music together so having um i i luckily i was at the um wow. I was at CBGB's, uh, the the famous club in New York, the night that uh, Talking Heads got signed up by Sire Records. And you were there? Yeah. Uh, well, as you probably know, I'm extremely old, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I go back a long way. Uh, yeah, so there was this band called Talking Heads and I knew uh, I knew uh Seymour Stein from who owned Sire Records and they he was signing this these, this band up called Talking Heads that night, so um, uh, the Talking Heads are quite close to me.
0: Is that the night you met David? Uh,
1: no, I didn't meet him that night, only years later I met him mm. actually, but uh, uh, but th- just music. Uh, we work with a lot of the young bands now, as well as the more you know uh, well-established bands. Mm. Yeah, we've got people like the American band Illuminaires and Jake Bug, who's from my hometown, and. Uh, all sorts of people so it's it's a world that I love still mm. and it's vinyl I still have a deck at work so one of the first things I do every morning is uh, play some vinyl well, I get just... into work very early so <laughs> there's nobody around what, so time? I, what time do you get 6 in? o'clock I get to work 6 a.m. yeah I swim every morning at 5 I've been wow. swimming this morning
0: wow where do you work. swim
1: I swim at the Royal Automobile Club in Pall Mall around 5, 5.15, 5.30, and then get to work around 6, and it's lovely, because it's the building's empty apart from the cleaners, and me, and my vinyl.
0: <laughs> and then everyone comes in and puts on their playlist. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, well, then, that, that's when I start work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what else do you have? Um,
1: they, I think we're on uh, number three, aren't
0: yeah, we? Uh, well, we've had, no, yeah, we've had three, yes. that was the vinyl so three, in, yeah. in front
1: of you is uh, uh, what's called a toile, which, uh, but it's a very miniature one. Uh, it's a, a, a actually a twill made by my wife. For those people are listening, who don't know what a twill is. It's basically like a mock-up of a, of an idea for a piece of clothing. It's made out of calico, and uh, she made me this at, at Christmas just for fun. And um, what's so fantastic is that she made the. It's a overcoat shape, and uh, she made that. Just from a blank piece of canvas by drafting it from her skill, rather than copying anybody else's piece of clothing. And um, I met Pauline when I was 21 years of age, and uh, she was had been uh, trained at the Royal College of Art uh, as during the era when they were still uh, designing and uh, working on couture fashion. So. Uh, I met her and then she came to live with me and m- she was basically my teacher at home so she taught taught me how to cut patterns and how to make clothes at home so my skill has always been in tailored clothes so Paul Smith is very famous for our suits especially for both for men and women and um, more recently tuxedo collection that we've just done for women which is beautiful and uh, so we 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 tend to be uh, I mean all all that is is down to Pauline really so how to make how to make clothes and uh, it's difficult to to uh, describe without waving your arms but uh, the pitch of a sleeve the the shape of the 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 suppression of the jacket so it hits on the waist uh, the balance of the of the, the the proportion of the pockets um the way things are constructed uh, is all really alert from Pauline, so this little little toile in front of us is is uh, really beautiful
0: what about fabrics um because I think you said you know we were talking about having a point of view, and I know you've said in the past how important it is to recognize the work of artisans and crafts people um and you work obviously famously with British fabrics a lot. Um, how do you find these people and how do you use them in your work?
1: I mean, I, uh, when I was 24, I opened my first little shop and that was only open two days a week. And uh, so Monday through to Thursday, I did anything that came along to earn some money. And one of the things I did was uh, design fabric. So I actually worked a lot in Yorkshire and so I learned about uh, how you dye, you twist yarn, how you dye yarn, how you, how you weave, how you get pattern in, the different types of yarn that's available. So um, that uh, gave me an understanding of how things are done and then uh, sadly we lost a lot of those mills um, during the last 20, 30 years so I, there are still some left so I, I tend to try to go to the actual weavers themselves um, rather than the, sales, <laughs> the salesmen or whatever because they don't always have a knowledge of how things are done so a lot of the a lot of the things I do a suit which is called a suit to travel in which is amazing because it's all wool but it doesn't crease and that's been incredibly successful and that's because I understand about the knowledge of how to twist yarn and how to weave it so it gives it this resilience so I suppose some of those early days of having to do things to earn money <laughs> have have paid I off really off, yeah yeah, yeah.
0: I think we've got time to talk about your final object
1: now yeah sure Um uh, final object is my love of fabric so it's good oh. timing so it's exactly what we were yeah, just yeah. talking about and wow. uh this is one of our, my many 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 uh vintage swatch books that i've got in my studio uh this one happens to be japanese um and uh it's uh just uh, we we use we've got lots of lovely old swatch books which we, which we use as reference um we have a about quite a big in-house design team for fabric because we're quite famous for print so we have an in-house team for for print but also for um, uh, not I mean our in-house team is, is quite interesting because we design on our own shops we have our own marketing team uh, social media team but the, the, the going back to the textiles that These w- are
0: textiles that you've collected not These of your these own are all
1: swatch books that I buy uh, these ones I bought in Japan, but most of them I buy in either Como in Italy or in Lyon in France. And uh, they're, they're s- sadly, they're mostly mills that have closed down and uh, and they keep their, their, their pattern books that they've kept for reference. The one that you've got in your hands is uh, is um, amazing because it's for kimonos. But what I love about it is the colour, yeah. the colours, the mix of colour. So you've got like bla- black, white, red, green in that one in front of you, for instance. And, and we will we almost, well, I don't think we ever really copy them, but what we do is we, we use them as, as the influence for the design of a flower or the colour combination.
0: How the, many of these do you
1: have? Uh, from Japan we have two, but from generally speaking we have about 30, and they're amazing. They're quite costly now, in fact they go for quite lots of money now, but I, I bought mine quite a few years ago, and uh, we, we, we're, we just use them constantly as, as inspiration. Like a reference? Yeah, we've got a lot that are for, not for fabric, uh, but for wallpaper as well. And the ones for wallpaper are also useful. But what's amazing, the wallpaper ones, you'll, you'll see this whole, whole page of, of black and white pattern that's all been done by hand. But it's so fine and yet they're so labour intensive, you know, and uh little fine lines are almost like a piece of, of art really, like mm-hmm. a side tombly or, or something like that.
0: Do you collect art? As well?
1: Uh we we've got quite a lot. A lot <laughs> <of> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> if you come the stuff. <laughs> next time, you should come to the studio, and no, then you could do know, it in the studio. I know. I'd love to come. Yeah. yeah no so chances. you could do a, a podcast with with vision. Yes. <laughs> as well. We
0: might be there for quite a long time. Yeah. Time yeah. Well, but, well, yeah no, I that. would have
1: thought about eight months.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's our objective for the next one then. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Paul, um, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a real Thanks. pleasure and useful pieces. Thank cheers. you so much. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Bye. <laughs> that was an episode of the collector's house a matches fashion podcast you can find more episodes and more about five carlos place on the matches fashion website and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at matches fashion at matches fashion man and the hashtag five carlos place thanks for listening